Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 29. Uh, By way of review, okay, this morning we're going to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. We've been looking at our third patriarch of the faith, Jacob. Um, Two weeks ago, our message title was Love at First Sight. We saw Jacob enter the land of Haran, and he was immediately lovesick as he looked upon Rachel. They fell in love, and Jacob asked her father for her hand in marriage. Well, Laban, um, Rachel's father, was willing to give Rachel to Jacob, but it was going to come at a price, and that price would be seven years of manual labor. But what we see during this seven years is a tremendous love between two people. In Genesis 29, 20, we read, So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Pretty, pretty amazing love story um, if, if you think about it. After seven years, Jacob goes to Laban, and he demands for his wife's hand. A party was thrown, and that night Laban did not give Jacob Rachel, but tricked him without him knowing, and gave to him Leah instead. As you can imagine, Jacob was furious. He woke up expecting to gaze into the beautiful eyes of Rachel, but instead he sees Leah. This is not a knock on Leah, but Jacob found himself in a nightmare of a situation, didn't he? He goes to Laban and he wants an explanation. And Laban quickly um, justifies what he did because he says that in their culture, it is always customary that the older daughter is married off before the younger daughter. Laban would give Rachel to Jacob. At the conclusion of his one-week honeymoon with Leah, Jacob and Rachel get married, but Again, it would come at a price. He would have to serve an additional seven years under Laban's authority. Now, Jacob has two wives. How many of you see a problem with that? I see a little bit of a problem with that. This morning's message is entitled Bride Wars. Several years ago, there was a movie that came out with that name. Some of you may have seen it. It was a story of two girls that grew up together, and they were not only best friends, but they were like sisters. Man, they always dreamed of, 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 of getting married, and they dreamed of being in each other's um, wedding as well. Well, both of them get engaged about the same time, and both of them go to the same venue that they've always dreamed of getting married at to set up their wedding date. Well, because of a clerical error, their weddings are scheduled on the same day at the same venue. These two loving friends and sisters would quickly turn on each other And the majority of this movie is about these two ladies ruthlessly attacking the other. With each attack, it got progressively more intense. Well, this morning, we are going to see Rachel and Leah turn on each other. Our message title is this, God provides children to Jacob amid sibling conflict, or our message point. God provides children to Jacob amid sibling conflict. Notice our first point this morning. 
we see, do, we see two desperate housewives. In verses 31 through 35, we read, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore another son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Now right from the beginning we read, The Lord saw that Leah was hated. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Verse 1 tells us a lot about these two young ladies. First, we know that Leah was desperate for love. She was desperate for love, and she was willing to do anything to gain the love of Jacob. Let me begin by saying Jacob did not hate Leah. Jacob did not love her. He loved Rachel, and his love for Rachel was over, overshadowed his love for Leah. One verse before this verse, Moses recorded these words. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And she served Laban for another seven years. If Jacob really hated Leah, you can be certain that they would not have had four children in such a short period of time. What we read next is, in verse 32, God blessed her with a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction for now, my husband will love me. You know, there's much to celebrate in these first few verses of this chapter. Children truly are a gift from the Lord, and they are to be cherished by us, aren't they? We celebrate the birth of these four boys, but we are left broken when we think about Leah. She desperately wants to be loved by her husband. And she tries everything to win the approval of him. Leah is not the only person that has ever been in a loveless marriage, is she? Some of you may find yourself this morning in a loveless marriage. Or you may have been a part of a loveless marriage. Or you may know someone this morning that is in a loveless marriage. I read that six out of ten married couples are unhappy. Six out of ten married couples are unhappy. I hope this isn't the case, but if this rings true, this is both believers and unbelievers, that means in this room this morning that six out of ten potentially of your marriages right now are, are in some form of, 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 of unhap, an unhappy state. Again, that breaks my heart. How do we know if our marriages are unhappy? Let me read to you a couple of, of, of signs of an unhappy marriage. First of all, there's no intimacy. One or both parties have divorce fantasies. Couples minimize each other. Even when together, you feel as if you are alone. There's no more fun in the relationship. Your spouse is no longer your confidant. You feel neglected. Everything they do gets under your skin. There's marital unfaithfulness. One or both parties are keeping secrets from one another. Most conversations end in arguments. 
you feel like you are always under a microscope. Some of you may find yourself there this morning or you have been there before. Is there hope? Of course there is hope. There's always hope. Regardless of the past or even what is happening today, there is hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. What are some keys to a happy relationship? Let's look at a few of those. First, the relationship must begin with the Lord. The Lord is the originator of marriage, and if we want to have a successful marriage, then the Lord must be present in the marriage. In Psalm 127, verse 1, we read, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Another key to a happy marriage is this. In the marriage, we must seek the Lord before we seek after each other. We need to be forgiving and gracious to one another. We need to pray for each other and pray with each other. We must keep our eyes for one another and only on one another. In Matthew 5, 27, the Lord Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. So we need to keep our eyes for our spouse and on our spouse only. We also need to be intentional in our relationship. We need to have fun. We need to continue to date our spouse. And we also need to be spontaneous. You know, no one said that marriage would be easy, did they? But you know what? It can be incredibly rewarding, and we know that. So Leah had four sons. Each of the names given to those boys were given with an attempt to gain the attention and affection of Jacob. Son number one, Reuben. His name means see a son. Leah knows that God loves her, And she also hopes that Jacob will now love her because she has given him a son. Son number two is Simeon. His name means hear or listen. What Leah is saying here is is, she is saying, listen up, listen up, Jacob. I have given you another son. Pay attention to me. Son number three is Levi. His name means attached or associate. Leah thinks now that she has given Jacob three sons that Jacob will finally be attached to her, finally love her more than Rachel. Son number four was Judah. His name means praise. Leah turns to the Lord and she gives praise to him for the gift of her son. Folks, from this line of Judah, from that line would come Moses David, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 31 also informs us that Rachel was desperate for children. We read here at the latter part of verse 31, but Rachel was barren. Rachel is the one that Jacob loves, but that was not enough for Rachel, was it? She not only wants his love, but she wants children as well. Remember in Old Testament times, it was believed that if you did not have children, it was because you had sin in your life or there was sin in your family life or maybe God's favor was not on you. A woman's worth was directly linked to her ability to have children. And I would say that's probably, that last statement there is probably even still true um, today for some. 
um, they still find their value in their ability to have children or not have children. I wish I had an answer to barrenness and infertility, but I don't. I don't know why, why, why some believing women are able to have children and, and other believing families are not able to have children. You know, I think it's not, I definitely don't think it's linked to personal sin. I think it's linked to the brokenness of our bodies in a fallen world that we live in. But what we know about Rachel, she was barren and she would live with that desire for children um, throughout her early days of marriage. Notice what Rachel's solution to her barrenness is. Rachel, we see her being jealous of Leah. So let's look at Genesis chapter 30, beginning of verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God? Who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, here is my servant, Billet. Go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant, Billah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Billah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant, Billah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. So Rachel was clearly jealous of her sister. And she made that clear to Jacob, that if, if, if she couldn't have children, she wanted to die, right? Her solution to her barrenness was to give her servant to Jacob as a wife to bear her children. Jacob did not respond very well to Rachel's anger here, did she? In verse 2, we, two we see G, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God? Who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Man, Jacob clearly did not respond with a level head. He got angry, and he took that anger out on Rachel. Men, have you ever done that? Have you ever taken your anger out on your spouse or on your kids? How about wives, ladies? Have you ever taken your anger out on your husband or your kids? Probably at some point or another, we've responded in a way that wasn't the most uplifting, right? Notice what James says in James 1.20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, 26 through 27, we read, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Instead of lashing out in anger, we need to learn to respond with a level head, right? It's easier said than done. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Gentleness. So Jacob gets angry, and then Jacob gives in to his wife's solution to her barrenness. He takes as his bride, Billah. Now Jacob does not just have two wives, but now he has three wives. What could possibly go wrong in that situation? So Billah would birth two sons. Son number five was Dan. 
His name means God has vindicated me. Rachel assumes that God has vindicated her by giving her a son via her servant. She could not be more wrong. God did not vindicate Rachel. Rachel took a son that was not hers and made that son her son. Next, um, Billa would give birth to another son. Son number six born to Jacob is Naphtali, which means I have wrestled and won. Who did Rachel wrestle with? Well, she claims that she wrestled with her sister. But in what way did she wrestle? Did she carry any of these children? No. Did she birth any of these children? No. But yet she thinks that she has, and that's her way of justifying all this that is going on. Next, we see, uh, see that, that Leah was resentful of Rachel. So it's kind of one of these games back and forth that we're seeing. Um, Leah's like, two can play at this game. So read with me here in verses 9 through 13. We see um, Leah give her servant Zilpah to Jacob as his wife. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, good fortune has come. To, has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. So now Jacob has not just one wife or two wives or three wives, but now he has four wives. Remember, this was not God's plan from the beginning. In a pre-flood world, in Genesis chapter 2, before the fall, his plan was for one man and one woman to come together for a lifetime. And Jesus reiterated that in a post-flood world. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, Jesus has another encounter with the Pharisees, and we read here, and Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So God's plan from the beginning has always been one man, one woman coming together for a lifetime as husband and wife. So Zilpah would have two sons. Son number seven, Gad. His name means good fortune. Leah thinks that she has hit the jackpot now that she's having children again, even though it's through her servant. Son number eight was Asher. His name means happy. These two ladies apparently were still keeping score. Leah is like, all right, I'm up six kids to your two kids. And so the fighting is still going on here, and we see that in the names. Poor Jacob, okay? And I say that because Jacob really is caught up in the middle of all of this civil, sibling rivalry as well as um, his wives are at each other's throat. I've entitled this fourth um, point, Jacob was trapped by these twisted sisters. Okay, here's a problem with Jacob, okay? Jacob, yes, he's caught in the middle of all of this, but Jacob is also the spiritual leader of his home. At any point in this whole ordeal, Jacob could have simply said, no, we're not doing this. This is not God's plan for our family. But every single time what Jacob does is he gives in to his wives. 
So notice verses 14 through 21 we read, In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Okay, now if you're like me, okay, you, you sometimes you're reading through the Word of God, you've got to figure out what does this word mean. I had never, I've read about mandrakes, but I don't think I've ever done a word study about what a mandrake is. Well, a mandrake is a root, all right? And it is called the love apple in Hebrew. They were thought to increase a woman's fertility. So Rachel sees Leah's oldest son, Reuben, with these mandrakes. And she asks Leah for some of them. Doesn't seem like that big of an ask, but apparently it was a big deal. Jacob, um, from what we get from this verse, had stopped spending time with Leah and was spending all of his time with Rachel. So Rachel, in exchange for those love apples, allows Jacob to sleep with Leah. I bet at this time in Jacob's life, I bet he spent as much time as he could out in the field instead of in his home. Okay? Um, And I, I don't think this is something that has changed much. Men and women often both avoid their homes because they don't know what they're going to get when they get there. They don't know if they're coming home to Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. Have you ever, have you ever known of somebody that's in a relationship like that? Or maybe some of you have been in that place before where you feared going home because you didn't know what you were going home to. And I can sense that Jacob was like that. So what we see next here is Leah runs out to meet Jacob as he comes in from work, and she makes it clear that that night he was sleeping with her. So God blessed them, and he heard Leah's prayer. So son number nine is Issachar, which means wages or reward for hire. Leah sees Issachar as a reward from God and because she was um, generous with her mandrakes. Son number 10 was Zebulun. His name means exalted or dwelling. Now that Leah had birthed Jacob, another son, she hopes finally he is going to dwell with her instead of with Rachel. Next, Leah would give birth to a daughter, and her name was Dinah. Her name means justice or judgment. Dinah would have 12 brothers, and you can be certain that those brothers were a little bit overprotective of her. We're going to see a tragic story in the coming weeks about Dinah. Dinah is going to be raped, and, um, and, and judgment will come to those that did that to her. Tragedy will happen within her life. So we see here, Rachel got the mandrakes. 
but Leah got the children. So Rachel is still without child. But finally, in conclusion this morning, Rachel would experience God's blessing. In verses 22 through 24, we read, Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. So child number 11, Joseph. Son number 11, Joseph. His name means, may he add. Rachel was grateful for Joseph. But by his name, simply, or not simply, we get this feeling that she was not satisfied with just one son. Immediately after he is born, she is wanting more children. Danny and I were grateful and blessed the day that Connor was born, but I will assure you the very first thing out of her mouth after he was born was not, I want another one, okay? We wanted to make sure that we didn't break Connor before we brought Caitlin into the world. Um, some of you may um, have been where, where we were at, and, and, but, but Rachel, she's not satisfied. Another son would be born to Rachel. His name will be Benjamin, and it will be um, as he's being born that she takes her final breath because she will die in childbirth. Now, there is, there is great tragedy in what we read this morning, in, in, in this sibling rivalry, in this jealous um, love triangle of a story. And we know that, but there's great blessing that comes as well in the birth Literally, what we read here is the birth of a nation. From Jacob would come 12 sons. Those sons will represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Literally, a nation is born, but it is born in the midst of tragedy. And from this nation would also come much tragedy. That tragedy is still playing out before our very eyes this morning. From this messed up family line would come the Lord Jesus Christ, who we know can straighten out any family or any person. One writer shared, Jesus come, came from this mess of a family, and if you draw close to him, he will take the mess out of you. What great words that is. What great words of hope and comfort for us this morning. You may be caught up in a mess this morning that you just do not see a way out of. It may be a messy marriage. It may be a messy dating relationship. It may be a messy work environment or a messy school situation. It may be even a messy or messed up financial situation. No, there is a solution this morning. His name is Jesus, and he came to forgive us of our sins and give us the gift of eternal life. Do you know Jesus this morning? If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? If you don't, I want to invite you this morning to come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. He loved you so much that he came and dwelt among us and died for us, rose to life three days later, to provide a way for all of us to enter into an eternal relationship with him. Come to the Lord Jesus this morning. Come repentful. Come 
confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and come believing in the resurrection. And the Bible says if you do that, you will be saved. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Our worship team is going to um, sing over us. And as they sing, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning recognizing, Lord, that we do live in a broken world. Father, in our marriages, when two broken people come together, there's going to be some heartache and some struggles. And Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that all of us in this room, every married person in this room, will make a commitment that they're going to fight for their marriage. They're going to love you more each and every day. And they're going to love their spouses more each and every day. Father, regardless of whether a person is married or finds themselves single or single again this morning, we recognize that we do live in a messed up, messy world. Father, use us as your hands and feet to help reconcile this broken world to you by pointing people to you. I pray this morning, if there is someone in this room that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that today they will turn from their sins and today they will confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they will believe in their heart that you indeed are Savior and Lord and they will also believe that you conquered death, rose to life again, being victorious over death and providing a way for us to be victorious as well. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come.